Captain Joe's Pirate Pirates by Joe Funderburg. My name is Oldman of Roby, and yar I could tell you tales of great pirate adventures and the golden age of piracy. But the years have not been kind to me, and me memory is not what it used to be. So this story begins a couple weeks ago at the first annual Pirate King Election. One. It was a time of great confusion and intrigue. The pirate capital, R Island, was an island in the middle of the Great Sea. The Great Sea divided the two world powers, Bumble to the west and Blubber to the east. The two powers feared the ocean so much that they would not enter the Great Sea. So every island in it was home to free pirates who looted and plundered, or shared and got along as each saw fit. No one knew what existed in the far north or the far south, and very few seemed to care. The great crowd of pirate men and women roared as the two candidates who sought to become the first pirate king took the grand stage in front of Pirate Tower, which stood so tall the top could barely be seen from the ground. Pirate Tower had been built before anyone living had been born, and all believed it was there so that one pirate with a powerful spyglass could see both Bumble and Blubber. But no one knew of a spyglass that powerful. The first candidate to speak was a recent arrival from Bumble, and she believed the pirates of the Great Sea needed her leadership. The pirates of our island had taken to calling her the Duchess of Bumble, or Duchess for short. Back in Bumble, she started as the crowd drew to a hush, we had a set of rules that worked, and the pirates of the Great Sea need those rules. Elect me the very first pirate king, and I will put those rules into practice, and you will all be much happier. Half of the crowd cheered. The second candidate to speak was a recent arrival from Blubber, and he believed the pirates of the Great Sea needed his leadership. The pirates of our island had taken to calling him the Count of Blubber, or Count for short. Back in Blubber, he replied, waving his hand to quiet the crowd. We had our own set of rules that worked, and the pirates of the Great Sea need those rules. Elect me the very first pirate king, and I will put those rules into practice, and you will all be much, ah, gladder. The other half of the crowd cheered. Then a third party took the stage and approached the candidates. He was greeted with the applause of the entire crowd. Captain Joe! Captain Joe! Captain Joe! They roared. Captain Joe smiled and shook his head in embarrassment. He waved both his hands to quiet the crowd, but they got louder and louder. Captain Joe grinned and shook his head faster. Then he motioned with his fingertips across his throat and shouted, Cut it out! The crowd finally silenced. Thank you said Captain Joe. I am not here for applause. I do not want to be the first Pirate King. I just want to ask a couple of questions. Is this what pirate life is really about? Elections and rules? As pirates, 
Isn't it our duty to break the rules? The pirates in the crowd started whispering amongst themselves, contemplating what Captain Joe had just asked. The two candidates also started whispering amongst themselves, appearing to be in a panicked state. The Duchess of Bumble addressed Captain Joe. Captain Joe, Captain Joe! She started with intentionally loud volume to be heard by the crowd. It is so good to see you. You have returned from the far south. Did you ever find that mermaid you were looking for? The Duchess of Bumble laughed, and half of the crowd laughed with her. The Count of Blubber took his turn to address Captain Joe. Ah, yes, Captain Joe. How did your brave journey to the far south go? Did you ever get that magical kiss? Or did you only confirm what the rest of us already do? There is nothing to the far south or the far north, but absolutely nothing. The Count of Blubber laughed, and the other half of the crowd laughed with him. Now the entire crowd was laughing at Captain Joe. Captain Joe opened his mouth to respond in defense of himself, but he was interrupted by a man running past him to the candidates. The man had a parrot on his shoulder, which was completely non-responsive to the man's nervous energy. The man was also carrying a bottle with a rolled-up sheet of paper inside. Message in a bottle, the man shouted. Message in a bottle. The crowd cheered again. News! 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 They roared. Duchess addressed the man with the message. Very well, Panto. What is the message? Yes, continued Count. Open the bottle and read the message. Panto smashed the bottle on the stage and picked up the paper. He started to read. Hello, pirates of the great sea. We just wanted to let you know that we saw many, many ships sailing your way. We asked them what they were doing. They told us they planned to destroy our island. We laughed a lot. Then we decided we should probably let you know. Sincerely, the scouts in the far north. The crowd panicked and shouted at each other. Then they started shouting at the people on the stage. What are we going to do? The crowd demanded. The candidates for Pirate King whispered amongst themselves again. Then they addressed the crowd. Duchess started. This threat must be taken seriously. Count continued. So we will send our greatest captain to face it. The two finished together. Captain Joe, we order you to sail north and defeat the many, many ships, and we will choose your first mate. They whispered amongst themselves again and continued. Panto will be your first mate. Panto trembled in fear. Me? Everyone knows I'm afraid of sailing and fighting and the dark. And Captain Joe cut Panto off. No need to worry, Panto. I don't take orders from them. The candidates considered what Captain Joe had just said and whispered amongst themselves again. Duchess addressed Captain Joe. Very well, Captain Joe. We forbid you to sail north and defeat the many, many ships. Count added, 
and we forbid you to take Panto as your first mate. Captain Joe's face flushed with rage. No one forbids me to do anything. Panto, we're going to defeat the many, many ships. Captain Joe grabbed the protesting Panto by the collar and dragged him off the stage. Duchess addressed the crowd. While Captain Joe keeps our island safe from the many, many ships, we can continue the election. When he returns... If he returns, interrupted Count, we will accept his vote. Captain Joe and Panto boarded Captain Joe's ship, the Decade Bird. It was a good-looking ship, once upon a time, but Captain Joe had no interest in keeping up appearances. Panto expressed his concerns. You know I have a slight fear of sailing, but I have a huge fear of sailing in a ship that looks like it could sink at any moment. Captain Joe was not offended, but he felt compelled to defend his ship. Looks are deceiving. She's got it where it counts. The Decade Bird is as fast as they come, and she can take a serious beating. Plus, I've got the best navigator in the Great Sea up in the Crow's Nest, and he refuses to leave the ship. Captain Joe turned his eyes up to the Crow's Nest and called out, Isn't that right, Mr. Bones? Panto followed Captain Joe's eyes and looked up as well. From the deck of the ship, he could see a skeleton in the Crow's Nest and it was clutching a fairly large spyglass in its bony hand. As far as Panto could tell, the skeleton was not responding, not moving, and not speaking. However, that did not seem to faze Captain Joe. Good one, Mr. Bones, the captain laughed. Captain Joe and Panto proceeded to the helm, where Captain Joe shuffled through some old maps, preparing to chart a course to the far north. Panto noticed and picked up a map with a dotted line drawn toward an illustration of a mermaid in the far south. Why have you been searching for a mermaid? Panto asked Captain Joe. Captain Joe answered with a question of his own. Haven't you heard the legend that the one who kisses the last mermaid will bring peace to the great sea? Of course I have, Panto assured the captain. But everyone knows the mermaids have been gone for generations. Maybe, Captain Joe conceded, but I don't believe that. Panto continued to argue. But you were in the far south for a very long time, and you didn't find anything. But I did hear something in the south, Captain Joe corrected. A voice on the wind at the edge of the world told me the last mermaid is looking for me too, and she would find me when I stop looking. What does that mean? Panto demanded. I have no idea, Captain Joe admitted. But let's focus on our mission at hand. Mr. Bones, are you ready? Captain Joe shouted at the crow's nest. There was no response that anyone could hear. Great, Captain Joe replied. Panto, are you ready? He shouted regardless of the fact that Panto was standing right in front of him. Not at all. Panto answered honestly with a tremble. Great! Captain Joe replied, completely ignoring Panto's honesty. Panto's parrot, are you ready? Panto turned his attention to the parrot on his right shoulder. His name is Piper, 
Panto told the captain. Very well, Captain Joe acknowledged. Piper, are you ready? Piper moved to Panto's left shoulder and looked away from Captain Joe. Captain Joe looked at Panto. He doesn't talk, said Panto, or fly, or much of anything. Captain Joe smiled. That's good enough for me, he shouted. Raise the colors high. Panto pulled a rope by the mast, raising a black flag into the wind. It was decorated with a bright red bird with a bright yellow beak. The bird's wings were spread wide. Captain Joe manned the helm, and the crew disembarked aboard the Decade Bird. The crew sailed a full day, a full night, and another full day. The sun was setting. There was nothing but rough ocean and sky to see in all directions. They had reached the far north. It was quiet. Then, a cannonball crashed into the hull of the Decade Bird. Panto screamed, We're hit! Abandoned ship! Take cover! Women and children first! But me second! Which makes me first, since there are no women or children! Then he disappeared below deck. Captain Joe stood vigilant, but he still saw no one else on the sea. He called up to the crow's nest. Mr. Bones! Can you see where that came from? As if he was told to, Captain Joe looked over the starboard side of the ship directly into the sunset on the horizon, but he still saw nothing until another cannonball eclipsed the sun. Captain Joe ducked just before the ball would have collided with his head and it soared past, splashing into the sea on the other side. Then Captain Joe returned to his feet and looked in the direction of the sun again. He squinted tightly to block out the glare of the sun and made out the tiny silhouette of another ship in the distance. The ship was well out of range for the Decade Bird's cannons, but was somehow able to hit bullseyes itself. The starboard side of the ship was clearly in harm's way, so Captain Joe took the helm and turned hard to shrink the size of the target and close the distance. The sails caught the wind, and the Decade Bird attained high speed on a direct course toward the sun and the enemy ship. He could not fire, but Captain Joe was skilled enough to guide his ship in a random serpentine motion to avoid incoming cannonballs. As the Decade Bird closed the distance, the enemy ship became visible. It was a black flag with a pink thorny rose. So Captain Joe recognized those colors as belonging to an infamous ship known as the Rose's Thorn. Captain Joe knew that Panto was the only person below deck of the Decade Bird, so there was no one competent to man the cannons, but he had no choice but to bluff. Using his superior maneuvering skills, Captain Joe managed to swing the port side of his ship directly in front of the bow of the enemy ship at close range. This gave the appearance that the Decade Bird had a clean shot at the Rose's Thorn while remaining safe from return fire. Captain Joe made eye contact with the captain of the other ship, a woman. It was Captain Rose. Parley! Captain Joe shouted. Parley, the official pirate term that said, 
No more fighting until after we talk. Captain Rose rolled her eyes because she knew she had no choice but to cease hostilities for the time being. The two captains met on deck of the Decade Bird and started their parley. Captain Rose was joined by another pirate who wore a scary-looking mask. Captain Rose started, Captain Joe, this is my first mate, Miss Mask. Won't your first mate be joining us to witness our parley? My first mate is preoccupied below deck, but I'm happy to start without him, Captain Joe replied. Captain Rose, please state the nature of your hostility. Captain Rose answered, All I am at liberty to say is that I have been looking for you, and now I have found you, and I am obliged to sink your ship. The thought of the decade bird at the bottom of the great sea caused Captain Joe physical pain, but he tried to hide it behind a mask of stoicism. I'm afraid your hostilities will have to wait. My crew and I have come to the far north to defeat many, many ships on a course to destroy our island. As a free pirate, you are welcome to join us, but our own battle should wait until after we have defeated the invaders. Captain Rose reluctantly agreed. Very well, Captain Joe, but as a professional, as soon as we are finished with the many ships, many, many ships, Captain Joe interrupted. Captain Rose reconsidered the idea of sinking Captain Joe's ship immediately, but deep down she agreed that the invading forces should be the priority. She gritted her teeth and responded, As soon as we are finished with the many, many ships... I will sink you. Captain Joe smiled. You are welcome to try. The two shook hands. Panto emerged from below deck. Is it safe to come out? He noticed Captain Joe and Captain Rose releasing each other's hands. Oh, sorry. I didn't know you were on a date. We are not on a date, Captain Rose corrected. In that case... Panto started as he patted down his hair and dusted off his clothes. My name is Panto. I apologize for not welcoming you properly. We were just under fire by some nasties. He reached out his hand and asked, And you are? Captain Rose took Panto's hand and squeezed as she shook it, causing Panto to wince in pain. I'm the nasty who is going to sink you. She smiled released Panto's hand, and returned to her ship with Miss Mask. As they left, Captain Rose and her first mate appeared to be arguing. Panto rubbed the pain out of his right hand and looked at Captain Joe. Wow, she is scary. Captain Joe looked back at Panto. That she is. Would you say scarier or less scary than sailing? That is a tough one. Panto pondered. Maybe scarier than sailing, but less scary than the dark. No, scarier than that, too. Panto looked up at the sky and noticed the sunset was almost over. Speaking of the dark, I'll be below deck with a candle until morning. Captain Joe smiled again. By sunrise... 
the decade bird and the rose's thorn had reached a point in the great sea of continuous snowfall. It was cold and somewhat dark. This is the farthest north I've ever been, Captain Joe admitted. Same for me, agreed Captain Rose. Both captains looked at Panto. He shook his head. I broke my record for traveling north when I boarded the Decade Bird. They all looked to the horizon. There were indeed many, many ships. That has to be a hundred ships, Captain Joe said with concern in his voice for the first time. I'd say a hundred and fifty, Captain Rose estimated. One hundred and twenty-three, Panto stated confidently. The two captains looked at Panto and were clearly confused. What? Panto started. I'm really good with numbers. The ships looked like tiny toy ships out on the horizon. To get a clear shot on a target, the decade bird and the rose's thorn would have to close the distance. They sailed closer, but the ships were still too small to target. They decided to sail until they could clearly target the ships. They sailed until the Decade Bird bumped into one of the ships and sent it bouncing across the surface of the sea, accompanied by a high-pitched scream. The crews looked around and found themselves surrounded by 123 ships that were each about the size of Captain Joe's foot. Are these the many, many ships that threatened our island? Captain Rose asked. Captain Joe looked to Panto. Do you still have that message from the bottle? Panto handed over the paper, and Captain Joe read it aloud. Hello, pirates of the great sea. We just wanted to let you know that we saw many, many ships sailing toward... Captain Joe paused and read it silently to himself. Many, many ships. Panto! Did you happen to notice that the word many was spelled two different ways on this message? Of course, Panto admitted. Did you not notice that when I read it the first time? No one could have convinced me to sail out here with you to face many full-size ships. Captain Joe rolled his eyes and turned his attention to the many ships. Parlay! he shouted at no ship in particular. The lead ship bumped hull to hull with the decade bird. You have permission to come aboard. The voice again was quiet and high. Maybe you should come aboard, Captain Joe suggested, reaching out and lifting the mini ship out of the water. The captain of the mini ship was about the size of Captain Joe's pinky finger. He introduced himself. I am Captain Big. We are on a course to take our island from the free pirates of the great sea. You should remove yourselves from our path, or we will be forced to engage in hostilities. Captain Big. Captain Joe laughed under his breath as he addressed the tiny captain. I understand you have a mission, but I should tell you that most of the free pirates of the great sea on our island are about my size. Are you aware of that? Captain Big's face changed to one of concern. Your size? Captain Joe nodded. Yikes, said Captain Big, 
Well, we still have to try. The far north is very cold, and if I don't find a good vacation spot for my people, they are going to revolt. If you are looking to make our island your vacation spot, or even if you want to live there, you are very welcome, Captain Joe assured Captain Big. I have no doubt that we have room for people of your... stature. So, we don't have to fight? Captain Big questioned skeptically. Captain Joe shook his head. There is no need to fight. Phew! Captain Big sighed. Can you point me toward the rest of my ships? Captain Joe held Captain Big's ship high off the bow of the Decade Bird, facing the rest of the mini-ships. Friends! shouted Captain Big. We will continue our course for our island, and we won't have to fight anyone. I found us our vacation spot for the winter. The sea filled with high-pitched cheers of joy, and Captain Joe set Captain Big's ship back down into the sea. The many, many ships continued south and beyond the horizon. Captain Joe turned to Panto. Panto, prepare a message in a bottle and send it to our island to let them know they can welcome the many, many ships from the far north. Panto followed instructions. He wrote a note on a piece of paper, rolled it up, stuffed it in a bottle, and threw the bottle as far south as he could. The bottle splashed into the sea and was carried fast by the waves. The rose's thorn pulled into position with its port side facing the bow of the decade bird. Captain Rose called out, Just to be clear, we have finished with the threat of the many, many ships, right? Captain Joe nodded. That's correct. Thanks so much for joining us on this epic mission. You're welcome. Captain Rose grinned. Then the rose's thorn fired one cannonball through the decade bird's hull just below the waterline, and Captain Rose sailed off into the horizon. Panto screamed and leaped onto a ladder to climb for the crow's nest. The decade bird was taking on water fast and starting to sink. Scurvy, Captain Joe whispered as he held back his tears.